How are we doing? I'm David. I'm Phil. And I'm Andy. And this is Talking Cod. Three northern blokes talking about middle life and growing old disgracefully. Frank, fearless, funny. In other words, Talking Cod. Hello. Welcome. Hello, hey, boys. Hey. Good to see you. Good to be here. Hey. You too. This is great. I think this is probably the most people we've ever had on an episode. Do you think it is? If, if we keep Matt. Oh, no, no, we had two. We've had two. Yeah, no, it is. Three guests probably is the most. Yeah. It's oh, probably yeah, the yeah. most most beards you've had on one podcast, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. To be fair, when in? Steve's on, his, his beard is massive. So he kind of like. Beards is all out, but uh, yeah, a lot of beards. And um, like we said, we were doing a, we did a bit of a call earlier on this week talking about this episode. Uh, we actually realised as well we've all got loads of hair on the bottom of our face. Some of us have acknowledged that we haven't got that much on the top, and others Come of us are still fighting it, still fighting it. Isn't it right? Yeah, somewhere yeah. in the dial. <laughs> I went. I, it's I, just I did the link in here. I didn't think I was in that league. I went to the barbers the other day. New barber. Um, she's she's training, uh, and she's she's cutting the front of my hair, and she 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 kind of leans down and and whispers in my ear. Um, <laughs> oh, sounds like a, yeah. For the week, it's the wrong place to stop, wasn't it? What does she whisper? No, she goes, oh, "Are you are you precious about that bit at the front?" So I, was, so I, was, I literally, genuinely was like, "I don't know what you mean." The she was like, oh, sh- "Shall I keep that bit a bit longer for you?" <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so. Move on. It's so. Yeah, never mind. Good, never it? mind. So um, it's great to have you on. I know that you have been doing your talking cob podcast for a while. Um, I wonder. Let's let's just start clockwise on my screen. We'll start with um, Andy. Tell us a little bit about you um, and why you set up Talking Cod as a podcast, because I think that's a really great place to start, and then we'll get into some of the things that we, we want to get into. Yeah, well, why do we set Talking Cod up as a podcast? Because Dave Bullard is into it, I think. Mm. Um, it was his idea, I think. Um, pretty sure. You, you, you're smiling, but you know it's true. Um, it was, it was an it. invite. It was an invite. It was, it an, was invite. an invite. It's one of those, you, you, you go for a brew, a coffee, and you put the world to rights, and you went, that would have been a great podcast, you know. And it kind of came from there um so that's 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 how the podcast started we've been talking about it for ages but yeah. i think it takes somebody to actually make it happen so cheers king cod dave eccles big ed uh, really big appreciate ed. that <laughs> um what do you want to know about me man how far do you want to go well probably not inside leg measurement but like tell us what why what you what you're passionate about who you are what you do that kind of stuff um yeah, I'm not big on labels, but what other people call me, things like the mentor's mentor is the one that I really like. Uh, dad, husband, friend, brother, that kind of thing. I spend most of my time talking about mentoring, a lot about coaching. I do a lot of coaching as well. Uh, I've done a little bit of public speaking. Um, a lot of it's about connection, uh, community, mental health. So it's really good to hear about, you know, giving beer away to people, you know, talk about mental health. I'm I'm gutted that I didn't know about that or else I would have brought myself a beer instead of something non-alcoholic. Mm. It's juice, but yeah, yeah. I'm a bit gutted about that. Mm. Um, 
yeah, did a, did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago about my breakdown, burnout, um, becoming suicidal. So, you know, speaking about mental health is something which is really important to me. Um, I'm all about the other person. You know, that, that's that's what I'm all about, just sharing experiences. I love asking questions. I'm very curious about people, how people develop, how people learn, always looking at new techniques. Um, but I think, you know, what, what I kind of get out of talking cod is, you know, sometimes forget it's actually a podcast. We're just chatting. And sometimes mm-hmm. we'll go, com- in fact, not sometimes, every time we we'll go off on one somewhere and we just don't even know where it's going to go and where it's going to come back to most of the time so for me talking cod is whilst it is a podcast it's it's just a really good way to connect with two of my mates yeah love it love it love it yeah mr eccles how we doing all right yeah good man uh yeah i mean my background really is probably brand and, and tech to a certain extent but i'm 46 worked for myself since i was in in my early 20s uh, and probably went at under a mile an hour for quite a long time until I got to about mid-30s, late-30s to 41, and maybe a bit similar to Andy to a certain extent, completely nuts and burned out at that point. Uh, took some time out, needed some time out to reboot, literally really, really get me get me shit back, to get myself back together from that side of it. Uh, now I work, uh, we've got a company that works with, people and brands that are basically looking to create change. So that can be anything from externally around uh, products and services, comms, messaging, that type of thing, or, or in more just as interesting internally, where we might be looking at teams, people, systems, processes, how to get things to, you know, uh, to work better. Uh, and again, the, the, the talking cod, as Andy was saying, came out of the fact that you know, I've known Andy for a while. I've known Phil for even longer. And we'd started, we were working together on and off. And it was always interesting that we'd, have, we'd be having calls. And before any calls that we'd have, we'd probably put the world to rights for about 30 minutes. And as Andy said, it, we, we, we used to think, do you know what? This is therapy for us. And it always was. It always was super therapeutic. And we were like, and we talked about doing a pod, and we thought, do you know what? Let's do it. Let's just take, let's just take a punt and do it. And if one person listens to it, or a few people listens to it, and it makes a little bit of a difference to their day or how they are that week, then that to us, that's the buzz really. And so primarily, it was it was therapy for us. And we thought, you know, let's share it and see and see what happens. And, and it is a work in progress. If, if you listen to episodes once, where it is now. It's, it's, it's quite different. And what we're looking to do going forward is, 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 is going to be different again. So it, it's, it's always changing and growing, which, which is cool. And yeah, that beer, that beer that you've got and the idea behind the beer and the coffee and the biscuits, boys, I think that's amazing. Mm, I need to yeah. get into some of that. What a fabulous they get, idea. They're getting a lot of yeah. promo tonight, which is good. Yeah. yeah. What, that's what's all the... because we want some free booze, boys. That's all it is. True. <laughs> what... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't know about you. It's interesting when you're saying that. Uh, there's loads of times because we record on a Thursday night, and you know Thursdays like it's not Friday yet, so you haven't got that uh, that weekend looking forward to the weekend feeling. You uh, busy day at work. I like probably more times than not. I, I get I, I get home or I, I, I go downstairs because I've been working at home, and I'm like, oh. and I remember like, oh, got the podcast tonight. And like sometimes I just want to like no offense to Ben and Steve I just want to sit down with the family and stick the telly on or or just chill. But I, every single time without fail, I always 
<laughs> I always come away uh, like like on a high thinking, yeah, and it well, sets me up yeah. for the week ahead. Yeah. Like it yeah. always yeah. does, like without fail. And 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 that's why we say we have like a bit of a, a bit of a motto that we're, we're like, you know what, we're doing this for us. This is our uh, because our our podcast is a bit of is um, we're talking about this before, David. We're, we're, is more professional based. We see it as like our professional development. Like it's just mm. us. Like, and and because we because we've got a podcast, it attracts people from around the world. It's amazing. We can just like email somebody in Australia or in America who we admire and go, "Do you fancy coming on a podcast and chatting?" And we get to have we get to have like face to face conversations with people who we'd never we could never dream of having those conversations with. So yeah, I, I totally get the personal development side of it. I mean, when when we spoke about doing this. I was super nervous because I'd sort of been doing what I've been doing and then sort of taken, took a step back and I was quite happily doing what I was doing in, in the shadows, if so to speak. After years of being visible, being not visible and just cracking on a light, but I was starting to get a bit itchy feet and needed to get back out there. And when the guy, when I, when I pitched it to the lads and said, yeah, we want to do it, I was like, oh, really? You really want to do it? Are you, are you sure you want to do it? Because I don't know if I want to do it. And it... <laughs> But in doing it from a development perspective for myself and even now, I think like I've gone back learning things again yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and absorbing new things and not just from a confidence perspective, but I don't know. I feel rebooting and rehabilitated. And if, I, if you are having a, you know, you trot, peak and trough during a week, if I'm ever feeling a bit low, if I speak to these guys, I oh, would do this, like you've just said, that I come out mm. of it, I'm like, wow, that was awesome that. And it's, it's the bit before as well, isn't it? Because most of the time you'll do a bit of prep and you'll think about what yeah. you're going to talk about. And then you've thought, well, I've gone down a rabbit hole looking at the stuff that, that you three do and, and you all over the internet, the things that you have all in the internet, looking at your social media profiles. And it just gets me all like, actually, it's really good, this stuff that you're doing. Like the, you've not seen I, all of this stuff, have you? Hey, hey Phil, hey, Phil <laughs> I, found, I found some pictures of you that doesn't whoa, even look whoa, like whoa, you. what? <laughs> Is it under the pseudonym of what? I tell you what, it, I tell you what it is. Is it's um, it's it's very um. I should. I, I'm decided. I'm not going to go on that dark web ever again. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it it kind of brings us to you, Phil. Tell us a little bit about about you. Well, apart from all that stuff. Apart from all that stuff. Um. No. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I. I guess I've. Uh. I've. I've worked with creative businesses for twenty odd years. My background is in music, hence the uh, sort of prop guitar that I've got in the background, the prop synth that I've got down there as well. Um, but I've kind of worked with creative businesses at a professional level in sort of Manchester and Northwest, like say probably about 20 years. Um, I used to work in an organization that kind of proactively supported creative businesses right across the full gamut from creative and digital to, you know, theatre, music, photography, that kind of stuff. Um, and I've always worked in that field. Um, more recently, I was um, I was uh, MD of a um, international TV research company, working with brands, you know, major TV brands around the world. And um, and again, I, I got to a point really where, because of my nature, I kind of took too much on um, the strive for perfectionist that sort of in me you know just led me to a place where I, I I kind of hit a wall 
as well, same as the guys, really. And it's kind of weird, you know, coming out of the, when I came out of that period, um, you know, that's when I reconnected with Dave and I'd not spoken to Dave for like five, six, seven years or what have you. And, you know, through just chatting about stuff, we realised there was a lot of commonality in where, what the, the last couple of years had, had, had been like for us. Uh, and then a commonality in terms of we could see ways of working with each other. And yeah, literally, as Andy and Dave both said, we'd have these conversations and you'd get to the end of, like, you'd be meaning to do some work, but like you'd have half an hour of chat, chatting, chatting cod, basically. And that, that's where it came, the the, the, the the kind of concept came from. And now, again, I'm back working in, as a, as a independent working with creative businesses, digital businesses, largely on the strategy side, but also I do a bit of writing because I'm that frustrated creative. So balancing um, all those kind of things is, is, is it. the one thing I say to like every company that I work with. My, my big question always is, are you doing something you enjoy? Yeah, yeah. I just and again, that's that's it's come as a life lesson to me because. We're all professional. We all, all can do, you know, stuff to a, a, a very high standard, you know, speaking for, 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 for everyone here. But, you know, sometimes you just take stuff on that, that isn't you and doesn't actually, isn't true. And and I think that's the, the big thing when I'm talking to my clients is just, let's just go back to what's important to you and go like, well, let's build a business around that rather than what you think it might be. Um, and that's I, that's come to me through this sort of that that journey of you know working in the sector for so long, I guess. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. No, no, Sorry. I'm just yeah. It's it's quite inspirational, really. Yeah. Um, well, no one, ever, no one's ever said that about me, but no, I mean, it's to those that find the dark web stuff. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we did this the other day, didn't we? Like on the when we were do when we met to do a bit of prep. We went from really, really humorous to like proper in depth. jokes within within. <laughs> <laughs> what you know the the term the term COD because we've got um we've we've got uh, like fifty I think it's over fifty percent of our listeners are actually in the states, okay. um and then I think we've got about twenty percent in Asia and then it's only around thirty or high twenties in the UK. So what's what? Nobody just likes so, us where we're from. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so people who who have missed have missed any of the podcasts or are just tuning in, I think you know, these are, are, are this a fishing podcast. What what what's what what do you mean talking cod? It's definitely not fishing. <laughs> I'm so I'm an old school, an old school. Well, I'm an old. I'm not old. I'm forty six, so I don't class that as old. But back in the day, and even now, when I can do. Uh, Clubbing, big clubbing history. Used to love clubbing, raving and stuff like that. And if I can get Crazy to a gig now, still love it. Still love my tunes. Awesome. But about, must be 20 years ago, uh, there was a film that came out called Human Traffic, which was all about, John Sim was in it and a few other guys. Uh, and I went to this, it's one of the, it's one of my, one of the best, at the time, being into clubbing and the music, going watching that, I'm like, wow, this is it. And there's uh, there's there's some there's some conversation in there where they're talking about the weekend and what they're gonna do and they're getting buzzed up and where they're going. And there's a line in there where he where he goes and I think it's John Sim that says it. Is he called? It might even be called Pip Pip. I don't. I can't remember. And there's a line in there that says they're gonna talk cod shit to strangers. And ever <laughs> since then, 
ever since then, when when we, we you know when you go out and you you got some banter that's going on, and you're just talking about anything and nothing, I've always defined it as talking cod. It's, you know, it's, I'll come back if I've been to the pub with the lads and come back, and uh, my wife will be going, "Where you been? Oh, we did that. What, what we? Oh, we just talk cod about this and about that." So it's always been in my vocabulary ever since I watched that film. And then when we were talking about what we were doing, and and I'm speaking to people, I'm always like, you know, we, 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 let's talk, you know, we're talking cod. And I thought, that's it. That's what it needs to be. Not Call of Duty or Fish. It goes back to the film from my days of the rave. I love it. That, that, I love it. And I, I love the idea that it's more than, um, it, it is bant, but actually it can go from, and I'm, for those of you who haven't, who haven't listened to the podcast, I, absolutely. I have five podcasts that I listen to and um, yours is on my list I, that I have a subscription to. So I don't have, don't pick loads because I, there's loads of stuff out there. You're very kind, uh, Ben. You're very kind, mm. sir. No, but I genuinely mean it because what happens is you can, one minute you'll be talking about, like you're saying, craziness. And then the next minute you'll be talking about, I hit the wall. I didn't want to be yeah. here anymore. And I needed to, I need, but then I need to learn. I need to be vulnerable. And I think just as it, it kind of ties to, to, to loads of very stories, my story is very similar. And those of you know, like um, I had um, a similar moment, um, been in education, worked, 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 done well for myself, well thought of, good family, this and that and the other. And then I, I just, I couldn't, didn't want to do it anymore and hit that, that time. And then realized I needed help. I needed friends, I needed connection, I needed a spiritual connection, that's what worked for me, as well as some medication, I needed all that kind of stuff, and it and I had to, something had to change, and I, despite being successful in education, and doing really well in education, and still do quite well in what I'm doing, I had to come to that point of, you need the connection of people, don't you? Uh, mm-hmm. As much as anything else, and this, mm-hmm. and and he, being able to be able to listen to your podcast, and actually see that level of vulnerability, and honesty, as well as realizing these are, these are blokes that are doing well in in their lives. Do you know what I mean? I know that you said there about not 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 be all being all about labels, Andy. And I love that. I love that. I can tell from listening to you. You you don't say, yeah, I've got this company. I run that company. I do this. I've worked with these clients. That's it's kind of secondary because we're just all blokes mm. who, who who are trying to muddle through life with families and jobs and mortgages to pay and well probably some of you have got no mortgages to pay but you, you know what i mean you know you, you know what i mean totally you know what and that's that's i mean i think when we when we when dave sort of first pitched it back to us too we're like okay yeah that's great and but, but what is it what are we going to talk about what, what actually is it what is this thing and we're like it took us <laughs> quite a few weeks of back and forth to go well is it this could it be that should it be this and, you know, and it just came back to the kind of, no, it shouldn't really have a structure. It should just be an open, because we're all open and honest with each other. So as long as you can carry that open honesty through, you know, there's something in it. And I think, that, you know, the, the, the best thing, and it's a bit, as, a bit like as Dave said, really, like the best thing for me was a couple of, couple of weeks into doing it, I got an email from an old, friend colleague you know what 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 have you and just just to say look been listening to podcast i'd really like to have a chat with i catch up with you i just thought it was like oh god not seeing phil for a while it'd be nice to have a have a nat and this was in the thick of the pandemic as well you know and and you know he he, we went and had a a mooch around a potter as we often say we had a potter (laughs) around the river and you know some of the he he was so 
upfront about what was going on in his life at that moment that it really, you know, and he was kind of reaching out for just to, wasn't reaching out for help. It wasn't because I'm not, you know, I'm not the, oh God, I'm not even the expert on keeping the headphones in. Bloody hell, why would you ask me for life help? But he just appreciated the, the, the fact that we could be honest about our situations mm. with each other, that, that he felt he could be honest about his situation with me, you know, and that was like, bloody hell, I know, I now know what this is, what this is about. It's just, mm. you know, and, and it, and it was again, being in the thick of the pandemic, we're all in that pit, bit thing where we're all trying to do, trying to do weird pub, um, zoom pubs and things like that. And, and, you know, we, we'd not got that connection with people that we, we, we were so used to letting off steam in the pub and, 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 and it, and it, it it sort of fitted that really that that sort of mm. gap that had appeared. So we, you know we we were just having mad chats without yeah. drink or drugs, um, but but you know but it was it was it 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 just gave people a sense of I don't know it sounds very grand, doesn't it? Not I don't mean it like that. It was just people hooked onto it because it was sort of what they missed a bit really. Mm. Um, I had similar feedback from from a few of my friends just saying it's just like being in the pub and it probably it was it was the right time i think to launch podcasts when people are being in lockdown and they're isolated and they're missing that connection with the mates the feedback was it's just like being in the pub listening to your mates talk crap but it's brilliant because that's just what we needed and it's and, and as you were saying ben it's some people just the religiously listen to it and i'm like why I don't, I don't think it's that good half the time. You know, we, the chats we have offline are, are usually better than the ones that we do when we're recording the, the yeah. podcast. But it, obviously somebody resonates with it and they love it. And I, I love what Dave said. You know, it's just one guy loves it. And yeah. and Phil's story there of his mate catching up saying, can we just catch up? You know, you know you're the kind of person I can I know I can talk to and somebody's going to listen to me. Then it's been worth it. You know, so I I, I think that's, you know. I still don't understand what it is, I'll be honest with you. We've been doing it for about a year now. And Dave's explanation of talking cod, that's the that's the best explanation I've heard so far. People ask me, what's it mean? I was like, well, it's not Call of Duty and it's not about fishing. It's just three blocks <laughs> talking. It's funny, it's, it's, funny, it's funny that, though, because, like, even when you, like, my mum, some of you will know that I do, I've done bits of work for Google. And when I first started... Um, doing some training for Google, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was training on Google stuff today." Um, my mum's like, "My mum like looked at me like I was, I had three heads." Google, what were you doing for Google? Like, because <laughs> the, all her understanding was Google's just where you search for things and find out information. Didn't realize that there was all this stuff that went behind it. It's the same principle, isn't it? Like, once you got, they got ah. My wife still when I, when she tells me what I do, she doesn't really know what to say. <laughs> Yeah, they don't that. know. Do yeah. they? <laughs> I know, I know. It, it kind uh, of like goes meetings and like training and that, but I don't know what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally. Well, I'm, 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 I'm glad we're not alone in that because it's just you know trying to explain what you do to, um, yeah, even even your partner. You know, like the yeah stuff I've heard my wife play back saying that I do, and I'm like, I'm yeah, not but, sure that's exactly it. <laughs> but Phil, Phil, we get we get paid as a living to help other people define that and communicate yeah. it. Sometimes, but the fact that we can't do it for ourselves is a bit of a worry. It's uh, physician heal thyself, isn't it? Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. But it's good so, fun, and that's 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 the the, the thing. 
Dan, Ben, I still don't feel like I know you very well. I've been listening to your podcast this week and I'm getting it. Uh, but how, how has your podcast moved on from episode one to where it is now? You know, what did you set out to want to achieve and what have you achieved? You know, have, have there been some kind of unexpected outcomes from this? Um, it's, it's a funny one, really. Um, I, I'll kind of start and you jump in where we've gone, Danny. Um, I, me and Dan used to work together as RE teachers. So both of us were religious studies teachers um, in um, a little little town in the north for those people who know you guys will know Accrington and then we were in Accrington mm-hmm. and we worked in a quite a challenging school um, and taught RE and um, loved it we met there we loved technology using edu- technology and education and thought well Dan's got some experience doing podcasting um, previously why don't we do a nobody else were doing one about educational technology or education really at that point and we just thought it's about four years ago. Let's let's have a go. Uh, so we went and met in Dan's living room um, over in East Livingbury. I didn't drive all the way to Newcastle, uh, and we just had a, had a chat. And the 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 point was, we we often not used to say teachers helping teachers. We wanted to mm. be people that just kind of found solutions or found little things that we thought we could help other teachers with. And we managed to get some decent guests on early on. Um, in fact, we at that point we called ourselves in the studio with the EdTech project, <laughs> EduTech project. It was thought it was some kind of like, we were no, going to be we big. Did. No, actually, just remind <laughs> that first episode, we did go to the, that studio in your church, remember? Yeah, we did. We did record That's why it, we called it, because we, we literally recorded the first episode, and we were like, oh, shit, we're going to need a name. <laughs> so we're like, well, we're in a studio. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's cringe. Yeah. That so we cringe, were the, right? in the studio with the Edutech project, and we were TETP, uh, the Edutech project. We thought it, it was like cool. some sort of tech band or some tech group or some electronic band, so, that, the Edutech yeah. project. So this was in a church. Your first episode was in a church. Yeah. So yeah. did you did you play your first jingle on the organ? <laughs> not, not, not not quite. Not, not quite. Uh, <laughs> I did. Yeah, oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Is that it again? Taking him all at twenty minutes, <laughs> and then yeah, and then it's just kind of evolved, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think yeah, just you know, I hadn't been a teacher long. Uh, I had, I think, I was in my late twenties. I'd, I'd had a previous career, uh, which is quite interesting in itself. Um, but we. Uh, you yeah, gotta tell them that, mate. You gotta. You can't not tell them that. What, go on. What? What? Flower arranging. Something that, like that. I, I can't believe you got it, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was a Catholic priest for uh, oh, wow. for, for a few years. So uh, yeah, trained. It was seven years training. So I did the training and then was a priest for a couple of years. And if yeah, just if if you know anything about uh, the Catholic Church, priests can't get married. They can't have families. So after a couple of years, I was like, "Shit, what have I done?" Um, and then uh, and, and decided to to step back. But uh, and now yeah. you've got four wives <laughs> <laughs> and twenty seven children. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, but I, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't been a teacher all that long. And um, the what one thing I noticed, or I'll probably reflecting back, was a lot of teachers have a rough time, like a rough time. But they, but they, some will tell you about it. Some will, will tell you all day about it. But a lot of them, I'll put a smile on their face because they've got to go into that classroom yeah. and they've got to uh, get get a, get thirty kids enthusiastic about what they're learning, and it and they do doing that five times a day, and then they get home, 
crash and repeat the next day. But underneath, it's a hard job. It yeah, is a hard job. Yeah. Um, workload isn't great. And, and when you're training to be a teacher as well, that's probably times 10. And everyone's like, oh, you know, we'll get through that training, yeah. Because not only are you having to do that, but you're also having to create like a portfolio off the back of it. So you've actually got to then go and review everything and write everything up and plan everything meticulously so it can be checked. So I'd, I'd done my, my training here and um, I, I felt like I remember I was in a, I was in a training session about, uh, about Google for education. And I was like, don't know what this is. I'm into tech. I'll go and check it out. And then literally f- from then went back, told Nick, who was in our department, told Nick, we had a conversation with Ben. We were like, we could use this literally within, I think that was just before Christmas, got back in January and then Nick, who was in our department, who was like a workhorse, literally transferred our whole server's worth of resources onto Google Drive. <laughs> and like, if that if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had to get to grips with cloud technology yeah. and, and all all the benefits that that brings. So we literally we we jumped off a cliff with it. I think that that January, and we're starting to see ourselves enthusiastic about about the job and about about using the, the, these types of tools for students and and then we started going to like conferences and getting involved and started doing some google uh, work ourselves and i think i think it's probably just born out of that kind of um and and here's my previous job company that wanting to evangelize uh on people with 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 these uh with these tools that could actually make their life better and make their make, and inspire their students a bit so we we were like let's we need to tell people so we got we we, it started very practical. Started very like, right? Tell us about this this type of technology tool. How are you using it? Uh, what's the impact of it? Um, but yeah, then it, it 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 evolved. I think we've been doing it about two and a half, three years now, and it's it's evolved quite a it's bit. Nearly four, then. Dan. It's nearly four. Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, it's no, kind of it, it, it's it's become it. something very different, hasn't it? It's become yeah. like very um, thought thought led but it also it's also like big big thinking so what we've what we've tried to do is trying to think if we're talking if we're talking to somebody about so we've had people talking to us about like cryptocurrencies or we've had people talking to us about uh, uh, health and well-being or um, writing or creative stuff we've had people from all sorts of industries and in fact actually we want to kind of expand that portfolio into all sorts of stuff as well but we want to try and flip that back into education and learning mm. more so. So we, what we're trying to do is say, okay, well, first of all, what can we learn from it? But also how is this going to revolutionize or change education or learning per se, whether that's mm. learning for people who are on the job in business or education as formal education. And that's what really um, the best, the best podcasts that we ever get to do are those kind where it's something that might be out there. So we interviewed um, some of the best ones are we're talking about high level stuff and then yeah. somehow thinking what are the lessons to be learned here that we can apply into education. So I, I think from a success point of view, um, like we, we probably all three of us, Steve, if he wasn't here, would also who's not here, he would also probably say something similar. Is we do an award ceremony twice. Uh, we've done, I think we've done, have we done three now, Dan? We've done three, haven't we? Uh, yeah, three. One in person. Three. One in person. Two, two online. online. Uh, so we do like like awards for educators and schools all around the world. 
um, in the summer. And uh, that's probably been my favourite bit is because you get to that whole celebration stuff. Um, I read uh, I, I read some stuff recently about like how to deal with cynicism. And actually cynicism, the best way to deal with cynicism is through celebration and like ch- championing other people. Um, mm. And so we've, we've done a lot of work around... Um, championing other people and wanting to, to kind of recognize that education is one of those really i know dan said that before it's one of those sometimes thankless tasks um mm. and and i i think and this this is kind of minor but like and, and absolutely rightly so we clapped we clapped certain people and every thursday and absolutely we should do because the nhs did a wonderful job mm. And there were loads of other people that were doing, and you can imagine that that level of celebration. We weren't saying that we were trying to do the same thing as, but essentially, what we're trying to do is bring a little bit of hope and celebration to people that were doing, that have done a, a massive job. I don't know why I went there with the with with the clap thing, but you know what I'm talking about in terms yeah, of like wanting to celebrate yeah. and, and and champion people. But I think I think it's I think it's spot on to be honest, Ben. Because I mean, like I say, my wife is a teacher. She's a head of English at a secondary, and it is a excuse me, it is a thankless task, and it is never ending. And the pressure just gets more and more. And the, you know, obviously, we're you know talking to our audience, and, and you know they know far better than I do, but. But I think we don't. We didn't celebrate the fact that teachers were stood in front of classes without PPE, you know, going into school like canaries down the pit, you know, during the pandemic. You know, everyone, again, quite rightly, clapped for the NHS and everything like that. But teachers were doing the same stuff, and teaching teachers were having to respond, having to teach at home, having to create stuff that would fly online, get into grips with Zoom because, like, it's mm-hmm. all. Uh, yeah you know outlook or whatever platform you might have been using it teachers again this from my experience but they don't get exposed to technology in the same way that dave and andy and obviously you guys now would do through our data you like you know you know you 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 experiment with technology and all of a sudden it becomes part of your workflow no one really thinks much about it you know Mm -hmm. so but I don't, I don't think within education, it sounds amazing that you guys went and, 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 and absorbed some, some um, seminars on, 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 on Google Cloud and all that kind of thing. And, and we're, in, we're able to just fly and, and, and get on with that, like the, the, the next working week, you know, put the effort in, obviously. I think that's, you know, I think if more people in education had that capacity and the will the drive and the and the 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 the, the, um, the ambition to see the you know what the benefit is that could really change education so i guess you know teaching you to suck eggs here you know i'm just talking to what you guys do um so it must be really a rewarding to to be in a position where you're helping teachers do what they do better more efficiently and perhaps wrestle themselves away from the IT overlords in in their schools or colleges or what have you that say, no, we can't use Google Cloud. We can't use this. We couldn't possibly do that. Um, You know, and I know from speaking to so for my wife, that that's a constant, constant back. Yeah. And just to stop rambling in a minute, but you know, it's kind of really weird because, this afternoon, I'd 
picked my daughter up from school. She just wanted to muck around, do some stuff. She's nine year old and she did a, uh, we've not put it on YouTube, but YouTube style tutorial on making these little chocolate things in a whatever. Anyway, she videoed it, edited it all together on iMovie on my phone and got, you know, just did the whole thing and, and just, just to go, right, well, that's, that's what you're dealing with. That's like a nine-year-old kid that's completely savvy, completely immersed in technology, wanting to be educated and want and being open to all that stuff. And then the teachers don't have perhaps that same fleet of thought, you know, experience with technology. And I just think it is a massive disconnect to, to me. Yeah, and I I feel quite privileged working in a way that we can just like say find a new bit of technology and incorporate it into a workflow and great go happy days we're all working more efficiently. It's um, really it's really it's really funny that you say that as well because we I used to be very um, uh, hardline. It needs to be this technology and it has to yeah. be this this type of stuff and we're going to use going to use this type of device and then all of a sudden that kind of maybe. Uh, vehemence around it kind of dissipated in the sense that let's find let's find the tool that that helps you it's, it's not yeah. the text kind of secondary it, you find something that's that, that's that's useful what you're trying to achieve let's come back and strip things back and i know that that works in a lot of what you do now regardless of technology yeah. is like let's strip back to what we're trying to really achieve here and the yeah. why and you were talking about that earlier strip it back to what why we do this and then what? Then let's think about solutions. And I think it's the same. I, I, obviously, it ties into even things to do with mentoring and to do with brand and design. It's that. It's that. Cynic does it. Obviously, we're gonna. I'm gonna go there. Simon Cynic talks about starting with why, understanding that purpose of of anything, whether that's a podcast, whether that's training, whether that's mentoring, whether that's designing a website. What? What? Why are we doing this? And therefore. You said that, didn't you, Phil? About do what you enjoy and bringing people back to what they enjoy. Yeah. Um, and th- and that's what's that's what's really interesting with technology is that um, I've been saying to teachers, what I want to do is, what do you? Re- why did you become a teacher? Because I'm I'm guessing you didn't become a teacher to help people pass exams, or to yeah. teach them how to count, to do a register, and make sure that they're all on a that they all got the cameras on, on on a Zoom call. That's not why you became a teacher. You became a teacher probably to make a difference because you loved your subject. And probably you wanted to give young people a chance to do something with their life and do better than what their parents had done or generations around them had done. You wanted to give them a leg up and an opportunity. And if you can come back to that why, let's find mm-hmm. technology that helps that happen so that you yeah. can you can make your job easier, get away from the bureaucracy crap, and then get into doing why you do what you do, what you came in for. Look at that. I've got, I've got a sort box and everything here. Brilliant. <laughs> That's just spot on, though, isn't it? It's just exactly what it needs. And, like, you know, just, just you, you guys must be really in demand, I would say. Must be, you know I mean, I'd like, to th- I'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> good, I don't think it? we are. Yeah, it would be good. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, that's that's the interesting part that, you, that you've just touched on there. That, and and we, we could probably talk for hours, and, and, and I know you guys have got views on this too, but. The education system doesn't doesn't match what we're talking about, and I think no in this mm-hmm. the other side of the coin of what of of kind of our journey is that once we started using this technology, 
the the kind of natural way to use these technology you know what google's like as a company they're going to make their products um facilitate collaboration they're going to make their products facilitate creativity that doesn't sit with uh students in a row in a classroom receiving no, not no trying to like that like sponges trying to soak up knowledge it, like, it doesn't fit so that i think that's probably why we're not teaching in secondary schools anymore as well to a certain degree the fact that we we thought we've got to a point where we we think what we're doing here as a as a, as a system and i don't know if we're just talking about the english system or or a remote prevailing system but as a system we've got something fundamentally wrong and it's and you can say that because employers are are, are constantly going what the hell are you what the hell is the education system doing because mm-hmm. because we're getting students we're getting young adults into the workplace that literally can't even look someone in the eye never mind not, hold a conversation it's yeah. not changing though is it it's not changing or doesn't seem to be changing or there doesn't seem to be any will to change it either so you've got you've got the educational system as a whole which is completely disconnected with with everything that it's looking to deliver to allow these individuals to go on and do what they want to do. It's just so disconnected. And up until the point somebody starts to try and join that up or do something about it, which I guess, in, you know, in the bigger picture, it's stale, is the government to a certain extent, because mm-hmm. that's where your majority of your education is coming from. How is it going to happen? Even more so when, you know, if kids have, you know, you have to go to school, you have to do this and this and do that and got to do that, but you do it our way. But the world's moving on. The world's moving on. We're not in the Victorian age anymore. Mm. We, we've completely moved on. The, the, your mobile phones evolved. The way we communicate evolved. Cars have evolved. The educational system is still going into school, sitting in a classroom and being taught by one individual the, this set of particular deliverables. Mm. It, 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 it absolutely baffles me. The fact you find that they were saying... Do, do you find though that will an employee or an organisation will deliver on behalf of the person who's funding or the organisation that's funding it who's paying for it? So if the education system is funded by the government, they're doing what the government asks them to do, not what employers want them to do. Now, if if this was like a levy or a tax, for example, that businesses paid into the education system and had a say in how education's run, I'm sure we'd see it being completely. You know a different style of education, you know. So if you, if you know, if you know, if there's a sector like engineering or tech, for example, you're looking for this type of a person, this type of a graduate, then I guess that education would look completely different. Yeah, and I think you know this is what's what's been said in the past is that it's for you know it's for those in the middle, isn't it? It's like those who are outliers who have got a different learning style, whether it's you know neurodiverse for one reason or another. It doesn't suit that. It doesn't suit everybody's learning style this is about learning not to me not teaching this is about learning how do people learn best to equip themselves for future life not just work but future life you know and that's and that's really important that bit you've just said there as well is that we we created an edu- the education is a system i read a lot of stuff recently in fact actually off the back of a recommendation you gave about cigar to mitra mm. uh, I, re- I watched his tedx video uh, the one that you recommended, I went away mm. and watched that, and then I've watched everything or read everything. Seems to be that he, that he talked about, but it's based it's based on that 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 idea that we were preparing people for um, the factories, 
preparing yeah, people's absolutely. bills. Yeah. And because of that, they needed compliance, why we have bills, why we have set hours, that yeah. periods. And nobody's nobody's working on a project yet. There's I, I do a presentation quite a lot for, for, for a company, and it's a similar presentation. Dan's probably heard it 27 times. Um, and uh, I talk about this guy called Keith, who was my mate's dad. He, he passed away uh, recently. But he when he left school at 15... He went to work at Emerson and Rennick, the factory in Accrington, um, and worked as an apprentice toolmaker on this machine. He was taught this machine. He was a routine man, same sandwiches, same um, uh, uh, same ride to work. He'd go to pens to check out chickens. He'd go to work in men's, same, same routine. And he worked in that same factory on that same machine for 50 years and retired wow. 50 years to the day wow. that he started. And then, like, his routine – but how many of those people exist anymore yeah. and like all, all of us sat on this sat on this call today have had multiple different careers or jobs mm -hmm. or or and, and and ideas about what they want to do with their life or stages of life and all that kind of stuff but it ties into that if you're preparing people just for work yeah. and just for a certain type of job yeah and there's a problem isn't there because we're finding young people that um, don't really know what they want to do with their lives yeah, and then end up thrown into a job, and then they're not really that well prepared for something else, um, mm. and and then we wonder why we have some of the crises that we have now of identity and and whatever else because oh. an education system isn't supporting that, is it? Yeah, it's not just sorry, Andy. It, 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 Go on, Dave, mate. It's not just education, though, is it? And we've spoke about this a few times on COD. You know, you look at and we. We, we, we talk about this system a lot and it's a, it's a niggle I always have. And if you look at the educational part of it, it's part of this bigger system, which has basically been designed by us and it's always been done the same way. And we had a chap on, on, on called uh, Bo Steamhammer. What's his actual surname? Steimia. He's the CEO of an Oscar-winning uh, film production company as well. So. Just, it's yeah, the only guess we've ever had. It is, it is. However, however, he came on. He came on. He came on talking. Cod is the only guest that we ever had, and I wasn't on it. I was away, but I listened to it. It was great to be able to listen to it back. And he taught, you know, this system. He, that's the book. That's the book he wrote. We talked about this system, and what he said. He said. He said. You, you, you know, you've got this system, but we invented the system. Yeah. Us as humans and people invented the system. The key to it, he said, is what you take from it. You don't have to take it all. It's what you decide to take from it. So, for example, going back to the educational piece, you've got this system that's chugging along, but what you need are people or organisations at all different levels to go, okay, we don't have to take all that anymore. Let's take this little bit or that little bit and let's make it work here or let's make it work there. And so basically, why not prototype it and why not, why not bootstrap it? Part of that is because the back in education, you do it this way. It's got to be right on day one. You cannot yeah. fail. Get your best, everything. No failure, no failure, no failure. Without that failure, we're learning nothing. So we need to take those bits from the system, prototype it. And we, and we said it before, if it works, then great. How do we make it better? If it doesn't, then we move on from it. Yeah, it's not agile, is it? There's a it's gonna not. reference a gonna reference a couple of books. So the um Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Are you familiar with that one? Love it, love it. Yeah, great. 
there's, there's a big piece about that is like it's almost inhumane to ask children to learn at 8 30 in the morning because the brains are not ready for learning at that point who's you know, this it's, who's this well well this is the thing you know well, this is a system we've created you know, oh, yeah. it just doesn't work that way. And asking people to learn at certain times of the day, it's just not right. You know, so our brains are wired up completely differently. And, yeah. you know, younger children are wired up completely different. But we just put them into this system because this is what we want them to come out like a factory worker. You know, when you're yeah. 15, you know, that that was the old system. The the uh, the hundred year life, I, I thought that was fantastic book, it, and it's really about the economics of we've got an aging workforce and people are living longer than ever before. The old system is a three phase life. System yeah. one was, you know, the first phase of your life is you learn, you're useless. All you're doing is you you have to learn to become useful, i.e., to be a worker, and then when you finish work and retire, you're useless again. So all you're doing is being educated to be a worker, then to be retired. It's a pretty miserable existence for a human being. This it's our philosophy, isn't it, Andy? That, that the child is an empty vessel that needs filling. Yeah, it's got. Yeah. There's nothing there. It's just a. It's just a structure that needs some substance. And that's and any John Locke. That by the way, John Locke had a tabula rasa as a philosophy. Uh, that's where he, a lot of that sits from. He basically said really. that the empty vessels, blank slates that we need to imprint stuff onto. Mm. It, it's almost offensive, really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But Ben, Dan, I've got a question for you. Because knowing what you know and doing what you're doing at the moment, do you think that in the not so near future there will be significant change? Or do you think it will basically reach an absolute point of failure before it changes? I, I know I've got some ideas on this, but. So you, go, you go, Ben. You go. You go. But yeah, no, I think it's it's doing this podcast, you know. That's uh, and what I was saying before about getting to meet some some amazing people from around the world. And I think one of the trends that we've we've kind of witnessed over the last couple of years, and more so during lockdowns and and the pandemic, is and and we we we've named it. Um, so trademark, we've named it. Uh, there's we seem to see the, the this trend of decentralized education. Mm. So, you know, you've got the education system. It's coming from, like you say, the Department for Education, like set the mandates, say, right, this is what needs to happen, gets filtered down, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're seeing just entrepreneurs starting their own schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, yeah. 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 We, uh, we, we were so fortunate to have a guy called Josh Don. He, he spoke, he, he was the keynote at our award ceremony and did a few podcasts with us as well. And he, Elon Musk, uh, asked him to start a school. So he was he was he was at this school in California and he was teaching Elon Musk's sons and uh Elon Musk just thought you know it was to be honest, it's the best school in California as well it's like for everyone who's rich sends their kids there um it, it's like it's for super gifted kids as well and Elon Musk was like nah this is shit um as <laughs> Elon Musk would um yeah funnily so he, enough <laughs> <laughs> so he's he says to Josh who's teaching his kids I think the kids are going home going, our, our teacher, uh, Josh, is, is doing some cool stuff because he was, he was doing a lot of gamification and lessons and things like that. So Elon Musk says, come and work for me. And he's like, okay, right, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, right, I'm just going to give you a conference room at SpaceX. And my my kids and a few of the kids of some of the other scientists are going to sit in there with you and I want you just to, to come up with an, a concept for a for a school for them. Like, teach That's them. awesome. It's yeah. class. And the best bit of the story for me is uh, around the time you might have heard, Elon Musk bought Gene Wilder's old house. 
And they moved the school to Gene Wilder's old house in California, <laughs> in Sunset Boulevard. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. And that's, that's great. So um, I think Elon Musk was, literally was just concerned about his own kids. So when his own kids stopped going to school, he, uh, he, he dismantled it and, and but, but invested in Josh and said, right, because uh, Josh was like, I want to take this, I want to put it online so that kids from all around the world can access it, what we're doing. So he invested in Josh. Josh went and um, he's got some other great, another a great team around him now. And they created a school called Synthesis, which is purely online. It's all around. They they hire gamers to create the games for them, and the kids just come on and problem solve in these games. Like workers, they, they just facilitate the the problem solving, and then they I think they meet one on one with the kids and like and um, review it afterwards, and then it. But yeah, we talked. We talked to Josh. We talked to um, a guy in Kenya a, f- a few weeks, just a few weeks ago. Who, again, he in Kenya. If you, I'm just listing off all our episodes here, stop me if I if if I get boring. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, this guy in Kenya during uh, in Kenya, you you do get free schooling, but it's really poor, and there's about there's about sixty kids per classroom. So anyone with a little bit of money sends their kids to a private school, but it's, but it's really expensive. And he, he actually, he's an entrepreneur and he sat down and he thought, I'm paying all this money for kid, my kids' education. It would be cheaper to hire a few teachers to come into my home and teach them. And then I can sit down with the teacher at the end of the day and go, right, what worked, what didn't work, and actually have that, have that involvement in my kids' education. He moved that online again, and it's called Kid Arto, the school. So we're, I think we're seeing trends of like this decentralized education, mm. and I Love think it. I Love think it. in somewhere yeah. like America where homeschooling is more <laughs> is is more common, I think it's going to start disrupting ed- the education system there. I say in the next ten years anyway. I think it's, it's going to be worth, interesting to see the impact here. I think it's also worth thinking about it in terms of in the UK we're not seeing many of these, but schools like the XP School, School Twenty One. Um, some of these others that are trying to do this like project-based learning, this inquiry-based learning seems to be going yeah. somewhere. Places like Australia are doing this. Um, like other countries are doing it. Um, it's just the the UK is, um, and particularly England, not just the UK in general, England just tends to be very rigid um, and yeah. very exam specification and, like, yeah. but they're online as well these schools so like i'm mm. i'm adamant um that my kids because my kids are one and two at the minute when they grow up a bit they're going to go, go do some stuff at that synthesis school because it might be best might be based out of california but it's online yeah nice yeah I th- so so i think coming back to that what you were saying dave which is that and i think where we've gone there is that do you think it'll change or do you think it'll crash um i think i we've seen the pandemic forced everybody to go online but the the default setting is is to go back to normal They're trying yeah. to drag it out always yeah it. they want it to go back let's, right. let's yeah. get, let's, <clears throat> we can bring exams back <clears throat> let's let's get back to lost learning and tutoring and that's what's going to do it and and let's extend the school day all those kind of things are like the default to go back to so i can't see it yeah, even though the speech, there were some massive learning curves, like really positive things, really tough, but really positive in education. And so I think, I, I think, and I don't want to be a pessimist because I am, I am the the eternal optimist. I am always the person that thinks, oh yeah, I think we can. Let's just let's just keep 
I think I think unless there's a huge revolution, Dan uses the phrase, um, uh, we've been led to believe that education will evolve, but it's so far behind that it probably needs a revolution at, of some stage. I like I like that I like that term that description of decentralization. Maybe that's mm, the future yeah. for a lot of things yeah, where yeah. where you've got this this big thing that operates in a particular way and everything operates within it for smaller things to start to come up. Maybe like what Bo said, it's what you take from that system. And maybe that is the decentralization of it. Individuals yeah. going, do you know what? I'm not doing that that way anymore. I'm going to do it this way. Do you want to come along on the journey with me? Or we'll do it this way. Or we'll do it that way. And if it works, then great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But may, maybe that's the way it will go. These little fractions that break off that basically could change the way yeah. that you know existing industries have operated you know, you used to do it this way, not anymore. We're doing it that way. That won't work. Well, it does because we're doing it. It's mm. already happened. You know, we, yeah. we've done it under the radar. You, can, you say that across the across <coughs> finance with, with crypto. Yeah, you see absolutely. With, or, like you talk about their industry organizations with DAOs. Um, so there's a decentralized mm. um, organizational yes. structure. Uh, you're saying it with um, ownership, with NFTs. Yeah. Um, could education be part of that? I think so. Yeah, absolutely, mm. without a doubt. But I, I think on that, I, I, I'm absolutely like convinced that there's. It, it comes back down to the reason why. Look at me going back to this. This the reason why is what one of the things that you talked about, Andy, was about this idea of it's not one size fits all. It's not like a factory, like factory farming. It's not that. And you talk. We we had a chat the other day, didn't we, about um your the the um. Uh, Matt, the neurodiverse mm. entrepreneur that you about yeah. Matty, and I think that's there's something really interesting in that because this is the education thing as well. What we're saying is that this one size fits all. Everybody going to work in a factory is not fit for purpose, and the reason and the proof of it is because the people that it's almost like the people are breaking the system and succeeding at it. Like you look at these other entrepreneurs that are doing things that are just not. There's always been entrepreneurs. There's always been outliers, like you said. But the reality is now we're probably acknowledging the diversity within our curriculum needs to happen on all yeah. levels uh, and an acknowledgement of different learning, out, different ways that people learn and then the different ways that people are going to fit into society. Mm. I, I'm, I'm absolutely um, – I've got two girls, an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. Uh, and um, very, very different kids. We have They've just started learning the piano, both of them at the same time. And the piano teacher, who used to teach me, is teaching them, which is just, like, honestly, the nostalgia that came back in. Are, not, you, are you any good on the old ivory? Are you any good? No. No, no, I, 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 I know basic stuff, and so I've been helping them a little bit. But the, the piano teacher came, and she just went, Ooh, you've got two very different girls there, haven't you? One who's super confident, super like loud, like I'll have a comment, and then one that's quite shy, retiring. One that's very much like me, and one that's very much like my wife. Um, mm. and and she knows the way that she's going to teach them piano is going to be different. Yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah, just teach yeah. them the same, can you? Just yeah. because, oh, we're always going to learn the same way. Well, no, it won't be the same, will it? Yeah, so, do we tell us about Matty? Yeah, what you yeah, can tell us. Yeah, well, Matty's kind of now described as uh, an inspirational entrepreneur. Um, he's an ambassador for autistic charities or for autism. 
um, but not just that. So, so Matty, I've, well, just to give you a bit of a backstory to that, um, our friends, Sharon and Lawrence, we used to go camping with them. Uh, our children and their children just became friends. They went to the same school, the same primary school. Um, um, so I've known him since he's, you know, he's, well, I was going to say till he was like, but he's always been taller than me to be honest. I'm only like five and a half foot. Um, so so um, Matty was working um, at a go-karting track and he didn't do particularly well at school. Uh, and he came he came to me knowing that I'm working at the business growth up at the time. He said, uh, I, I want to, uh, I need to set up my own race circuit. I want a race track. So I, I knew Matty had autism, and his is, you know, one of one of those parts of the spectrum is is that he's on um, he has Asperger's. So there's no point in laughing at him or go, oh, you're having a laugh, are you? You just, you know, it's straight. There's 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 no comedy involved in it. Okay, mm. what what do you mean? What do you want? Tell me more. You know, and just chunk down those questions to get get it out of it. So he said, basically, what what a race track. Um, and at first, I thought, are you joking? But he clearly wasn't joking. Um, so we discussed what that would be. So he wants to open his own race track. Uh, how much money do you need for that, Martin? He said seven point one four million. I might. Like, well, it's quite accurate numbers. Where'd you get that number from? And he and he pulls out a seventeen page business plan. Um, and he's a teenager. You know, he's 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 working at a go kart track. So. Instantly thinking, well, you did terrible at school. You know, you couldn't get into college. Um, yet you've delivered a business plan, which is better than most people show me when I when I do a business review with them. And all these different income streams were, were great. So we worked backwards and said, how do you, how do you get to this point? Because it's, you, I ain't got a seven million pound to give you. Nobody else is going to give it you. You know, you've you've never run a business, so someone's going to invest in you. So we we set up um, a coaching. Um, business if you like you know a side hustle at weekends taking kids out in go-karts taking them to get to karting tracks and teaching them but he wanted to teach children with autism because motorsport is an expensive industry and there's no opportunities for you know for anybody who's you know who's who hasn't got wealth or an education so he started off doing that the go-kart track sacked him because they thought it was a conflict conflict of interest long story short got his job back got promoted to being a manager they sold the business off um, and we collaborated and got a lot of investment and bought the track. Um, so by the time he was 20, still 21, he was he owned his own go-kart track. He's now got six different businesses um, and he's so astute in business. It's unbelievable. And he one of the things he said to us is that I interviewed him recently. Um, one of the things he said to us is that I'm, you know, for somebody with autism, I'm not supposed to have emotional intelligence, and I'm not, I'm not supposed mm. to understand that. But he, he calls that his superpower is that the fact that he can negotiate business deals and not care what the other person thinks. All he's bothered <laughs> about is the outcome. You know, I'm going to pay you twenty thousand pounds for this fleet of cars. No, 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 it doesn't work like that, Matty. I don't care what you think. Mm. I'm going to have that. That's what's going to happen. You know. I don't care what you think or feel. This is what's going to happen. So he uses his neurodiversity as, as a superpower. I asked him about education. Um, he just hated it. Absolutely hated it. It was, you know, it was scary. He, you know, his, his younger brother said he wanted to take his own life. He was also autistic. He said he just hated it. Being forced, kicking and screaming as a child to go to an environment he just didn't understand. And everything was confusing and messy to him. 
tried to go to to college and it didn't work out um so so matty's you know matty's almost like fighting back a little bit now just to just to prove that you know the, the standard education system just doesn't work for everyone and if you can identify what people's skills are just let them learn for him he was he was just all about motorsport he's just been fascinated with formula one and karting and and as soon as he was offered an opportunity to learn actually to become like a, a karting engineer or, or a mechanic he suddenly his grades at school increased he went from like fail and f and d and e to c's and b's which is unbelievable for a child with autism so here he is now i think yeah, he has five or six different he's about to launch another business he's constantly launching businesses and he just doesn't care what people think about him he just launches and goes ahead so he's he's had more success in business in probably four years than most people i've met who've been in business for 50 years and and that's that's it isn't it that is the story that kind of epitomizes the the idea that we've got to do some if you want something different and and you've got to if he yeah. found he found he found his thing didn't he he found his thing yeah. he's motorsport well well that for me i look i've got um uh, my eldest daughter is banging to swimming loves it makes me have to get up really early in the morning to take her to the <laughs> pool but she loves it and uh she 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 watches videos about it. She thinks about the way that she eats. She's 11 because she wants to make sure she's doing the right things. Um, she's talking about techniques on a stroke. She's helping other people who are swimming. She's the youngest in the group. That she, she, she lives and breathes swimming. And like, I think to myself, do you know what the school she goes to doesn't do, doesn't even take them swimming. Yeah. They, they canceled the inter-school swimming competition that they would normally do for primary school. And she was like, I might have won that dad. I said, I don't think there would have been a might. You would have absolutely smashed it in 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 that area, and 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 she didn't get it. And I think like I've, my youngest who's banging to music and dance, they don't do it yeah. because that school doesn't need it. And yeah. you, you'll know that as much as anyone feel that like music yeah. curriculum is just falling falling apart. Yeah. And yet you find a kid that you find what a kid's into, or even an adult, like find what they're into and kind of let's drill into that. Let's not say they have to do all this, 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 and this, because that's what somebody says 50 years ago. They need to be, need to be taught. It's just, is that. I've got a perfect, well, I think it's a, a good anecdote from, from my own uh, experience in music lessons as, as a, as a kid that just funny enough came back to me at the weekend. And I don't, don't know why I was thinking about it. But I think it was because my daughter was learning guitar and she'd been doing the the guitar teacher wasn't very good, basically. He's a bit of a nerd and, you know, just You're not really... as good as you, Phil. Well, you know what I mean? It was, I, I, I'm not a great guitar player. I just sort of strum and kind of, you know, make noise, really. But um, so the guitar teacher wasn't very good. We found another one who looks absolutely amazing. She starts with him uh, uh, next week. But I remember, and I don't know why this came back into my head. When I was 13, 14 at school, I, yeah, we still had quite a good music curriculum. It, you know, it was our music teacher was absolutely, you know, really enjoyed it. And, and because he knew I played a bit of guitar, he, he got a guitar teacher to come and sit with me every Wednesday at half 10, whatever it was. Um, and... You know, nowadays, my little daughter, as your 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 daughter's probably doing, Ben, you know, would have been sat in, you know, 
you'd be sat in front of a sheet of music and you've been sort of taught to kind of read these notes because that's the way it's always been done and that's the way things happen. That's the way we do That's the way the curriculum says or what have you. That's the way common knowledge says these things must be done. Now, my guitar teacher, when I was 13 years old, right, would sit me in the room, he'd tell me how to play the the notes, the, the back the backing on the 12 bar blues, and he'd strum up, he'd, he'd do play a lead guitar over it. And then once I got good at doing the the other the thingy bit, he'd do the background notes, the chords and what have you, and then encourage me to 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 play the lead and to jam, to, literally to jam. And thinking about that at the weekend as I was it just struck me as such an important thing for me, that kid, because I was never going to sit there and learn music, I, you know, but that would have stifled me. You know, I'm never going to become a virtuoso player, but my music teacher and a guitar teacher recognised that I'm kind of creative enough that if you give, give someone the parameters, you can do so much more. Like, so I became, you know, I can't read music still, but I, you know, I've written music, I've produced music, I've, I've been creative, and I don't think I would have done that ever if someone had sat in front of me in front of a sheet of music and said, mm. "Right, play these notes." Right, uh, you didn't play them right, play them again. That that creativity and that kind of recognizing the nurturing that I needed is is just mm. it. And I just think we need. I know it's easy to say, but we need. To, do more of that we need to we need to develop education that kind of works at an individual le level beyond a curriculum you know that jams um, we need an educational yeah exactly jams. you know i just you know everything in that the, the fact that I, was, I used to jam and then i wrote my own songs and then everything that came from that creative freedom that i was given at that point and it's quite like i say it all hit me at the weekend i went holy crap, you know, so much happened because my teachers recognise, same with my English teacher at the time, you know, so I don't know, I, I just think the, the forcing everyone into a system and a way of learning and, a, you know, you do this curriculum because you might be wanting to study this, but you've still got to do this, this and this that you're not interested in, isn't um, isn't a way to endear people, especially like people like Matt, as, as, uh, as Andy just talked about. But I think that I think there's something in that for for life as well. So in terms of like when people get into work or when people get into relationships, like or whatever else that is, or social, like let's not pigeonhole people into you must do it this way. Yeah. Um, and if you've picked something, and I, that's probably because if if I were playing devil's advocate in this situation now, like if I how do you create an education system? that educates however many million children a year yeah. and has some level of parity and fairness and equity and diversity and empowers teachers yet still gets people ready because the stakeholders, we've talked about stakeholders being government, but yeah. there are some big power players that are stakeholders that are saying we must, and the biggest stakeholders and we've Lord Jim Knight came on the podcast. He, he, he hates us calling him Lord Jim Knight. He's just called, he just says, I'm called Jim. Um, and he's, <laughs> I, he's a, I want he, you to address me as Lord Cod in future. Every time <laughs> I see him, <laughs> <won't you? laughs> 
Uh, yeah, okay. We'll do. He, he actually is a lord. He is a lord in the House of Lords. And he's been on a couple of times, but he hates being called Lord Knight. He wants to be called Jim. And he he, he, he talks about the, the massive stakeholder being universities. And universities, because that is the way and the, the path that you should take, that's what's happened. Um, yeah. And it's almost become an academic route and we're, we're pigeonholing, trying to pigeon. And all oh, we've got to do is we've got to get people from um, ethnically diverse Back backgrounds yeah. into this. Yeah. And we've got to make sure that people from working class backgrounds get to go to university. Why? Not yeah. Let's give Reven the opportunity. Revenue. Revenue. Yeah. Revenue. Yeah. yeah. Mm. The whole thing falls down if that, that throughput of people isn't coming through, doesn't it? That's, mm. that's it. You no know. income. No income. It's no a business. Income. You can't survive. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've we've uh, we've we've gone around everywhere, haven't we? We could, and this is this is it. This is absolutely talking. We're an hour and fifteen in, and me and Dad, Dad, me and Dad were just thinking. I know that he what is going on in his mind. He's like, we've we've kind of just gone past intros, um, but this is this this is what talk. I suppose talking cod is. This is what absolutely. we absolutely we're, yeah. we're we're passionate in the same way, and I think listening to um, how you how you have structured your podcast, but also how you've developed this for, um, for your own mental health and wellbeing and life and, and doing, and doing good stuff as well as the, the impact it's making for other people. I think there's a, there's a massive synergy. I'm guessing there'll probably be opportunities and we we'll want to do something similar to this again, or where we go next. Um, yeah, we could have gone into all sorts. I've got loads of stuff written down. Are you, that are you in Dan, Dan, like, you're coming I, into land. I'm just well, taking off. No, Dan. <laughs> Dave told us that he hasn't been. He, he, he's getting himself ready for Estella. I'm worried. I'm worried that if if we if we go on too much longer, that you know you that, know you that know what door I'm will just open and the arm will go. Do you know what? I'll tell you what, though, boys. One of the things that we've spoke about on COD is to actually do and a completely uncut session, no holds barred, in a boozer with a few beers. Uh, I think I think it would be great to have you guys on as part of that. Yeah, I think I think we should do that, and we should just record stuff and see where it goes. Like the the ultimate talking cod episode. I think that would be <laughs> awesome to do. That would be. Yeah. I imagine. I imagine by the time it gets to three, four, five hours in, or more like. Seven, eight, nine, ten beers in. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be more talking shit than talking. Content. Well, yeah, and, and, and you'd, you'd be like, and I'd be asleep by that point because I'm not a very good drinker anymore. So you'd, you'd have to give me a nudge. I'd have to have about an hour. What do you think about that, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, we could we could have gone into all sorts, couldn't we? And, ne and next time, obviously, we, we want to pick your brains about branding and content and. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask Andy about his TED talk. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's Have you got it. time? Yeah. Well, I just, well, he, TED talks are like, they're put up there, aren't they? It's like, mm. if you do a TED talk, like your career, your, your, it's just going to take off. And, that, and I, that obviously happened for a lot of people early days. It killed um, Andy's, though. It killed it. What was it like? How did, I, how did you get the gig in the first place? I think that's like the. It's like trying to get uh, one of the golden tickets, isn't it? Yeah, all right. So I think using the universal law of attraction, you put it out there, it's going to happen at some point. So um, I stepped back from that 
I, I took my son to martial arts in Manchester. I've been well into martial arts. I'm going somewhere with this and try and keep it quick. Um, and I had, I had an opportunity to speak publicly at a tech event in Manchester. Um, and somebody knew I'd, I'd been quite open about the fact that I'd had a breakdown and became suicidal. And they said, will you, will you come and talk to a bunch of people about your experience? And at some point, my kids are going to hear about this. And I'd hidden it from them. So on the way down to Manchester, I thought this is a pretty good time to just tell them, son, something I want to just confess to you here. You might hear about something on social media, Facebook or Twitter or something else that I've done this talk about mental health, but I need to tell you why I'm doing it. And I, I told him the whole story that I had a breakdown. I was working way too hard um, to earn as much money as possible so we could have more stuff for our family. Um and I didn't realize what was happening to me and became very, very mentally unwell. Um, you know, when your grandparents died, you know, my mum and dad died and I lost the, my business when I left work and I lost my pension and stuff like that. I didn't think there was any point in me carrying on in life. I thought I'm a, I'm a terrible dad to you. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a rubbish husband. I can't provide anymore. I wanted to end my life. So I told him this story all the way down to Manchester and um, chokes me up thinking about it now, actually. Um he knew that I liked to watch TED Talks, just addicted to TED Talks. That's my education platform there. Um, and he said, Dad, that was just like listening to a TED Talk. And I was I was just in I was in bits driving. I'm like, you want to do a TED Talk, Dad? Because the way you spoke, it was brilliant. I'm like, I wasn't trying to impress you. I was just trying to confess to you. You know, it's like it was almost like a confessional, Father Fitzpatrick. Um, it's like a confessional to him. It's like before you find out on Facebook. I've done this talk. So it's like, it's, it's like, a, that was like a TED talk, dad. And it was about 15 minutes, this, this, this drive in. So got me thinking. So speaking to a friend of mine who had done a TED talk on international fluency. So by learning different languages, how great it is to learn new languages. Um, and just having a chat with her, what was that like? And she goes, it's absolutely brilliant. She, she said, oh, I heard that you've done a talk recently about, you know, your experience of mental health. Have you, ever, have you ever fancy doing a TED Talk? I'd love to do a TED Talk. Um, so it really came on my radar then about, about doing a TED Talk. And not to not for you know, not for personal branding or you know, for self-promotion anyway at all. It's just it was cathartic. You know, when, when I stood on that stage the first time somebody asked me about my mental health, it all came out. And, I, and this is before having group therapy, and I've you know, I was a facilitator at Andy's Man Club, a mental health um suicide prevention charity. Um but this is completely different. This is standing up in front of a lot of people, being honest and going, you know what? If, if I can help one person, then it's been worthwhile. So I got the gig basically by speaking with people who I knew had done TEDx's. Not to say, could you get me a gig? But just saying, you know, tell me what your experience is like, you know, because my son reckons I could do it. I could do a TED Talk. You know, so the, there was no fear of public speaking. It was just, this was just the drive of, can you imagine if that came about? Simultaneously, um, there was, I was at, I was at Park Run. Um, one winter, I'm a mate who's, you know, he's, he's into part run as well. He was saying, I'm thinking of buying a TEDx license for Oldham. Um, would you like to be involved in it? So within a couple of days of me putting it out into the universe, one guy said, could you curate TEDx Oldham? And then someone else said, could you speak at TEDx Bollington? And this was all within the space of a week. I got two opportunities. So literally from going, holy shit, my son thinks I could be a public speaker into, you know, a very short space of time later to get in the gig. So that's how I, I think that's how I got the gig. Not based on my public speaking skill, but more about the fact that I just had the desire to share a story. I, I want to do a TEDx. 
like it's on, it's out now on a, on a, on a, do on it. a podcast. I'd love to, love to. I'm the same. Do you know when you talked about that's your learning platform? When mm. you just want to watch that and then you go down, you see one and it recommends another and you watch it. Yeah, another. yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me the other day. And I think that whole, um, it's real life story, isn't it? It's real life yeah. story. It's what wins in it. It's what wins. Yeah. Boys, yeah. boys, maybe we get a TEDx license. Yeah. Maybe we do it. Maybe if we want it to happen, maybe we do it. <laughs> Codex. You heard it here first. That's genius. No, seriously, but seriously, chaps, seriously. Conversation yeah. for offline or whatever, yeah, but you know what? Why the Can hell you, not? Do, do, do they allow you just to do it yourself and put your mates on? Or do they, like, have a, a bit Said of a... from Dave's house. <laughs> yeah. from you Dave's you just do it every shed. week. <laughs> if we call it Codex, they couldn't do anything about it, oh, could they? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, get some red letters. Yeah. In fact, let's not make it red. Let's do let's do a different color just to like. <laughs> Are you listening? We can lawyers? use the same font though. We'll still use the same font. Yeah. yeah. It says it says the branding expert. Oh god, yeah. Followed by umpteen cease and desist letters. <laughs> Dan, Dan Dan's partial to a bit of form lettering, aren't you, Dan? <laughs> There's a story there. Dan likes to order form lettering for every event we've been to. Uh, we did our events and he get he buys big form lettering. We went up like to an it. event in the northeast. He had big form lettering. Oh, at that. I like it. I like it. I love it on a stage. This is I like it. Pretty. He has it in his house. He has it in his house. Dan. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> and then sometimes he comes home and his wife changes it to Nads. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm only thinking, Dan, because Fitzpatrick might be quite expensive in <laughs> Love it. Love they it. They are pricey. They are very pricey. <laughs> I want it as big as me. As big as me. Probably as tall as me. <laughs>